Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you, and we're on every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m., But, Thomas, this Saturday has a different feel. It's a college football game day Saturday, and Lord knows we paid our dues to get here. Brad, I I honestly, I didn't think we'd be here, but now that we are, I am so excited for college football to finally be back. Honestly, it's my favorite sport, and I can't believe it, but I am absolutely pumped that we're here. We have a lot to get to. I can hardly sit down for this. Hey, first of all, if you miss any of this episode, check us out, orangefizz.net, on Twitter, at orangefizz, and you can find the replay of this episode on Spotify or Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This is accessible because you're not going to want to miss it. We're going to preview Syracuse's do's and don'ts for the 2020 season and also tell you everything you need to know about North Carolina with kickoff coming up in just a few minutes. We have Ross Martin from Inside Carolina, the Tar Heel expert, on to preview UNC. But Thomas, we begin today with something that will probably temper your expectations, probably temper your excitement. It's the depth chart. And the depth chart was released earlier in the week And to be honest with you, at least for me, it raised more questions than it answered. And eventually we got the answers to those extra questions. But Abdul Adams, RB1, expected to be RB1. Jarvion Howard is backup. Neither one of them were listed on the depth chart. Apparently they're both opting out, according to The Athletic. They're both opting out, and they're both declaring for the NFL draft. What was your immediate reaction to this? Because I couldn't believe that a guy that ran for 336 yards and his backup that went for 337 last year can even fathom the NFL without an upperclassman year. No, I mean, I think any opt-out, you kind of just have to expect at this point that any guy could opt-out. It just might happen. Like you, Brad, I am absolutely shocked that either... Well, Abdul Adams, I can see going pro. I don't think that's a good decision, but I can see him doing it. Jarvian Howard deciding to try to take his talents to the NFL after, what, 336 rushing yards as, like, your RB2 last... 337. 337. Watch yourself. 337. Sorry, sorry. What, Abdul had 336? My apologies. Yes. Yes. I cannot, like, I like Jarvian Howard. Every year I'm like, this is Jarvian Howard's year. I cannot believe this guy thinks after... A fine backup season last year that he's going to be able to be successful and actually get drafted into the NFL in 2021. It's absolutely mind boggling to me. Yeah, and personally, I think Jarvion Howard actually has a better chance of making it in the NFL just because of his physique. But the immediate question that Syracuse fans should be asking themselves is what does this mean for the Orange in 2020, the immediate future? It means that redshirt freshman Jawar Jordan will start in the backfield and redshirt junior Marquenzie Pierre will be the second string. By the way, Thomas, just some quick Syracuse trivia for you. Do you have any idea how many rushing yards those two combined for last year? It's got to be under 100, right? No, it's close. It's 111. So your first and second (laughs) string, 111 yards. So... I don't know what that means. It could be more pressure on Tommy DeVito. It could just be an unfair burden on Jawar Jordan, who quite frankly is not ready for this role in my opinion. 
Uh, how do you see this playing out? Well, Brad, the thing is, Jawar Jordan right now is listed at 172 pounds, and he's going to be playing <laughs> ACC football oh, as a God. starter I, with with an offensive line that has Chris Elmore as your starting left guard, who's played yeah. every position for the Orange. Apparently, the thing like Jawar Jordan, I like. He's a really good back. He's five foot nine. He's kind of a scat back and catch passes out of the backfield. Do a lot of cool, like really nifty things. He's very quick and elusive. He is not a bell cow running back. Syracuse doesn't have any running back depth this year, and they're going to ask Jawar. Jordan to run 15 to 20 times a game this is the guy that maybe you give him eight to ten touches see if he can make some magic happen every game but he's not a bell cow back the season hasn't even started Brad and I think honestly in my opinion it's already starting to go down the drain Man, I mean, it was just, what, five minutes ago that we're just, you know, a jitterbug. Oh, let's go, Syracuse football, game day, just a few hours. And now, Thomas, your pessimism, be careful, because your pessimism are going to make people turn this off, okay? It's a long season. Hey, man, hey, there's there's a couple of guys that we'll get into a little bit later that could be be interesting, but these running backs, I, I have lots of concerns about. Markenzie Pierre, the redshirt junior, started, or rather, second string behind Jawar Jordan. He ran for a grand total of six yards last year. So, if your boy Jawan Jordan, who weighs 170 pounds soaking wet, gets hurt, Syracuse might be in trouble. But it's not just the backfield where they're in trouble. Chris Elmore is started to is slated to start at left guard, as you alluded to, because Dakota Davis, who, by the way, started every game for Syracuse last year, he's expected to be out until October And then on the defensive side of the ball, Tyrell Richards, who was supposed to start at linebacker. He's apparently, according to multiple reports, opting out of the season. And this is a very interesting development to me, Thomas. And by the way, Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Fizz Radio until the 10 o'clock hour. But Tyrell Richards was apparently arrested on August 8th for a DWI. And with that, it's completely unrelated, apparently, He's opting out of the season to protest systemic racism and social justice. And to me, when I heard this, it just sounded very fishy, sounded a little odd and a little out of place. And Stephen Bailey from Syracuse.com, he reported that Tyrell Richards deleted a tweet in which he pushed back on a report that he's opted out for the 2020 season and that SU Athletics has not confirmed any opt-outs. But Richards said he was not aware of the decision are we sure that this is actually Richards opting out? Or maybe it's just Syracuse and Dino Babers with a subtle year-long suspension and trying to save face for Richard and Richards and the program? You know, Brad, it is really fishy. I remember, you know, he, he we say, we, there was reports that he opted out and then Matthew Gutierrez said, well, you know, this might not be actually correct. And then we get all of the details. I It seems like Dino and maybe Syracuse Athletics is trying to skirt around this issue a little bit and get something in place early to punish Richards for the DWI, but also, you know, maintain a year of eligibility because now fall athletes are eligible, like we said a few weeks ago. I, I think you're right. I think you're on to something because it just doesn't really, it doesn't add up. There's a lot of just missing yeah. parts where you just look at it and you're like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Tyrell Richards, as Stephen Bailey said, going on Twitter and saying he didn't even know about it. That is, that's really, I, I've, I've got a lot of suspicions after that one. I think, you know, I think you're right that there's a little bit more under the surface that we're going to have to dig to find. 
and th- this was supposed to be a big year for Tyrell Richards. Was really just a pass rush, a rush specialist last year. Didn't see actual much playing time at linebacker with Andrew Armstrong, Lakeem Williams, and by the way, Michael Jones, even as a true freshman, that was anchoring a lot of playing time. But this was supposed to be his year. And from an X's nose standpoint, this is a massive blow for Syracuse on a team that's trying to implement seamlessly a new 3-3-5 defense. And quite frankly, I was pessimistic about the 3-3-5 working immediately with a shortened training camp, very little practice time for Tony White and his new guys. And now I'm just more pessimistic because how do you even do this? You, You take away a starting linebacker that was supposed to be a centerpiece and you're still supposed to perform at the highest level, especially today in just a few hours against number 18 North Carolina with probably the second-best quarterback in the conference. Well, and what's really tough is we just heard about these decisions this week. So assuming these guys were practicing during August, like they were getting first-team reps, and that not only means they're not going to play anymore, that means the guy behind them didn't get those first-team reps. And like you mentioned, Tony White's defense – 3-3-5 3-3-5 with a shortened offseason as is, and now you got to bring in a new linebacker. It's it's a lot. There's a lot of things that you have to say. All of these are big ifs that have to go right for Syracuse to even be remotely successful this season, and if just one or two go wrong as they are already starting to do as the dominoes fall, this season, it, it could get bad in a hurry. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Fizz Radio until 10 a.m. Check us out at orangefizz.net and follow us on Twitter at orangefizz. If you don't believe how excited we were, just go back and take a look at the episode on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Rewind, but it slowly and rather quickly got very negative because we were talking about the depth chart. We're talking about all these blows that Syracuse has sustained to their roster. And Thomas, we're talking about Tyrell Richards now. And what his opt-out, his mysterious opt-out, really means for the Syracuse program and the 3-3-5 trying to integrate seamlessly. But thank God, as a Syracuse fan, the Syracuse fans must be thinking, just thank God that this year there's an extra linebacker at the second level. Because can you imagine if Syracuse is trying to do it the other way? If they go from a 3-3-5 to a 4-2-5 and you're trying to sacrifice a linebacker and all of a sudden the linebacker that you're one of the linebackers, the two linebackers that you have opts out mysteriously, that would be an even even bigger blow. So maybe the 3-3-5 move is actually going to help Syracuse given the fact that Richards has opted out. Yeah, you got to hope, and especially on the back end. I mean, obviously, football is becoming more of a passing game. You get five defensive backs back there, one of them being Andre Sisko. The other two, pretty good as well, and Trill Williams and Ify Melifonwu. They got a lot of depth there. The problem is they gave up Mm -hmm. 200 yards on the ground last season. You lose Tyrell Richards. That's not going to help that at all. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things where there's already question marks heading into this year. Then you throw in, you're trying to learn a new defense in a pandemic with shortened off seasons, and now your starting linebacker's gone. It's just a lot of holes that were already needed to be filled and even more are being created. Abdul Adams, Jarvion Howard, and Tyrell Richards, the three new opt-outs for Syracuse football in 2020. That's the hand that Dino Babers and the Syracuse Orange were dealt. Now it's time to figure out what they do and don't do with their cards this season. We'll let you know on the other side. It's Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you. If you missed any of this episode, check us out wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
Follow us on Twitter. Check us out at orangefizz.net as well. And Thomas, just a few hours from kickoff between Syracuse and UNC, the opener of this Syracuse football 2020 campaign. Still can't believe we're here and that the sun has finally risen on this Syracuse football season. But we're going to play a little game before we get there. It's called Do's and Don'ts. You're going to give me a do and don't for Syracuse football this year in order to succeed. You got the rules? You're good? Yeah, I'm good to go, Brad. Let's get it going. All right, let's start with your do. What does Syracuse need to do this year in order to be successful? Syracuse, if they want to win more than three games, they need to let Andre Sisko do whatever Andre Sisko wants because he is the guy that really the only great player on this roster and he could give him a couple more games, a couple more wins in that category if he's able to just kind of do whatever he wants and roam around the field play that center field position, which, by the way, he'll be playing the Rover in Tony White's 3-3-5. The Rover kind of doesn't have to worry about a specific coverage. They just get to be a ball hawk center fielder kind of defensive back. That's where Andre Sisko thrives. That's that's his that's his best position ever for Syracuse, in my opinion. I think it will be very great there. And I think already Syracuse is going to let him do whatever he wants because that's what it seems like is going to happen now. And if they do, if that continues throughout the season... They might be able to steal a couple of games because an Andre Sisko pick can easily turn into an Andre Sisko pick six. So let Andre Sisko control the game and do whatever he needs to do to be successful on defense. Andre Sisko leads the country in interceptions in his first two seasons on the Hill with 12, seven in his true freshman All-American season and five last year in 2019. It's going to be interesting to see that, Thomas. I mean, I'm going to go one step farther than you, and this is not my due, but just to build on yours, they need the 3-3-5 to really succeed, and it starts with Andre Sisco, right? Because he's the centerpiece of the defense. Tony White can call out a play for him, call his number, and have him pop off the tape. But you're right, Andre Sisco is essential. Mine comes in the second level, though. Michael Jones, Syracuse needs to equip Michael Jones to become a leader. I understand he's only a sophomore, but we know what he's capable of. He was one of the biggest recruits in the Dino Babers era. And especially now with Tyrell Richards gone, Michael Jones, a guy who played in all 12 games last year under Andrew Armstrong, he's going to be huge for Syracuse. And it's such an inexperienced linebacking core that they need Michael Jones to mature quickly. They need him to lead and play like a junior or even senior. He's starting next to a sophomore in Jeff Canton Arku, who played in nine games last year, but mostly on special teams. And then Stephon Thompson is a true freshman, only a three-star recruit. He's thrown into the fire right away. So I'm not as concerned about Andre Sisco. He doesn't have to shine nearly as much as Michael Jones because without a strong season from Michael Jones, Syracuse might as well have no linebackers compared to their three designed in the 3-3-5. Well, and I think before last season when they gave up 200 yards on the run and before Tony White came in and established or is establishing his 3-3-5 defense, Syracuse was replacing their linebacker core every single year under Dino Babers. I remember Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett. The question was, who's going to replace him? And then guys stepped up, and that happened every single year. But it seems like there was a seniority factor. There was linebackers that were seniors that had been in the program for a long time that knew what they were doing. Maybe they weren't the most heralded recruits in the world, but they knew what they were doing, and they filled their roles well. And that worked until last season when they were absolutely abysmal in run defense. Now, like you said, Brad, Michael Jones is a much better recruit than most of these guys ever were. One of the best recruits under Babers, like you said. I think 
you're right. This seems to be something that Syracuse has should have already implemented if they have not yet, because Michael Jones, one, one of the best recruits, like you said, but he has the potential to be an absolute great run stopper on defense if he reaches that potential and becomes a team leader. And I think he will. I'm probably the biggest Michael Jones fan on the Fizz, and and I don't think he's on the most important player series on orangefizz.net. By the way, go check that out. But he might as well be because he is the captain of that defense minus Andre Sisco. And as Michael Jones goes, so will the the three three five defense. That's my prediction. So that's what Syracuse needs to do. But Thomas, what can't they afford to do? What's their don't? Syracuse, we mentioned this in the first segment, Brad, but they cannot, cannot run the ball at all this year. (laughs) And I'm not here saying that Tommy DeVito is Sam Howell either. Like, he's not. He's a fine quarterback, maybe. The problem is they just don't have any running backs like we said earlier. What, their two running backs have 111 career rushing yards? Is that right? Like, it's minuscule. It's absolutely nothing. Jawar Jordan has... He's five foot nine, 170 pounds, and that's your guy right now with both Abdul Adams and Jarvan Howard opting out. You just there's just nobody that I trust in this backfield anymore after having two guys that I trusted a couple days ago that I think, all right, let's give this guy the ball and see what happens. Jawar Jordan, maybe eight to ten touches a game, see if he can break open a big play, make a miracle happen, get a long touchdown. That's kind of his ability. He's an electric running back. But he's not a guy who you can hand the ball off 20 20 times a game. He's not a guy I want touching the ball 20 times a game. There's a reason he was fourth string last season. And I know that he's a young guy, but he's just not big enough to have a primary role. And Marquinzi Pierre, also clearly, he was RB5 for a reason. Now he's RB2. He's going to have a big role in this offense. And let me tell you, Brad, I do not trust Pierre or Jordan at all to be successful in running the football this year. That's fair. I don't disagree with anything that you just said, except for the don't run the football part. Look, you're entitled to not be sold on Jawar Jordan and Marquenzi Pierre, but at the same time, just from an X's nose standpoint, you need them to run the football. It is absolutely essential for them to run the football. So to say, oh, you can't run the football, but just put more weight on the shoulders of Tommy DeVito, that's not sustainable. Maybe Tommy DeVito breaks out for one game and he th- drops back a record amount of times and it's great and we, we all go, hee-haw, he's really just Sam Howell and he's really good and he's elite quarterback, but no, he's not. Okay, we can't forget what Tommy DeVito is. A good arm shows spurts of greatness, but at the same time, he's not a great quarterback. He's not Sam Howell. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He can't carry a team like either one of those quarterbacks. So I, my don't is don't ask too much of Tommy DeVito. I'm the exact opposite of you. Just from an X's and O's <laughs> standpoint, you need the run game to get you into third and manageables. And that's what happened last year with the offensive line breaking, breaking down. They couldn't win on first down. They couldn't win on second down. And that was way too much pressure on Tommy DeVito to win on third down and 10, third down and long. And the Orange is the new fast offense just does not work without the run game, without the threat of a ground attack. So... Don't ask too much of Tommy DeVito. He's not going to take you to the promised land, that's for sure. Brad, I got to tell you, I think we're both kind of doing the same thing here. We're scouring the Syracuse depth chart. We're looking for guys that might be able to break out, and we're looking for places where Syracuse could actually be successful on offense, 
and neither of us are finding them, whether it's the run game, no. whether it's this pass game. There's a lot, there is so many holes on this Syracuse team, and there's just not the answers. That's offense or defense, especially now with Tyrell Richards, but offense, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I don't see how they can beat go over 2-8, and 3-7 and seven this year. It's absolutely bonkers how poorly they are positioned right now just hours before opening kickoff, and unless somebody <laughs> breaks out, maybe they get a walk-on or somebody who becomes who's 220 pounds, 6'2", and can run a 4-5-40, unless that happens, I don't see any way they're going to be successful on offense no matter where they're, if they're throwing it or running it. Get some of Bugs Bunny's special stuff to try to get Jawan Jordan to turn into a Moniel into an Abdul Adams or a Jarvion Howard. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you on Orange Fizz, on Fizz Radio, I should say, previewing the Syracuse season, and we're just a few hours away from kickoff between the Orange and the Tar Heels on Chapel Hill. Syracuse really could use this win just to set the mood for a season that is immediately on the ropes. We mentioned the opt-outs, Abdul Adams, Jarvion Howard, Tyrell Richards all opting out. And now we're talking about what they can't afford to do, what they have to do. And there's an element here, Thomas, where I feel like my do should have been do pray that the Liberty <laughs> game actually happens at this point, right? Because that's you're your saying, one win. Oh, that's your one win, right? That's your only that's the only game that you look at and you say, yes, I would put the house on Syracuse winning that game. That's it. Every other ACC game they have, and I I think we mentioned this on a prior Fizz Radio episode. Syracuse has a very tough schedule, maybe even the toughest schedule in the ACC. Every other ACC game they have, it's a toss-up. At at, at best, it's a toss-up, if not a wash. Like this UNC game, for example, it's going to be an uphill climb, especially without Richards, without Adams, without Howard, and all of these do's and don'ts that we have. Dino Babers right now is in the locker room saying, hey guys, do try your best. Don't mail it in based on the depth chart. I know it's tempting. I mean, Dino, Dino Baber said in his most recent press conference, I'm very concerned about this upcoming game. And Dino, yeah. I am right there with you. I think we're all concerned. And the thing is, I've been walking around the Syracuse community, talking to people, talking to fans. And I know we'll get into this with Fizz feedback, but people are a lot more optimistic than me. And maybe it's because I'm just too pessimistic, but I think I'm right on this one, Brad. I think people are saying, really? UNC is supposed to beat us by 22? Syracuse is terrible this year. Like, they're awful. And this was even before the opt-outs, but especially now, they're not going to beat anybody in the ACC. (laughs) Well, right now, we've only covered half the battle, Thomas, who Syracuse is and what's wrong with them. But Ross Martin from Inside Carolina on the other side, he's going to tell us everything we need to know about the Orange's Week 1 opponent. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you until the 10 o'clock hour. But we're bringing in a special guest, Ross Martin from Inside Carolina. Ross, thank you so much for taking the time to preview the UNC-Syracuse matchup happening in just a few hours. Yeah, no problem, guys. Pumped to be on the Orange Fizz. This is this is history right here, history in the making. I mean, we should have had a historian come in with like a rock and a chisel to make it official, you know, Ross Martin on the fizz. That's right, that's right. Let's get into <laughs> it. 
it hasn't been smooth sailing for any team in the offseason, but especially North Carolina, they've had a, a unique set of challenges with campus shutting down. There was a sp- suspension of athletic activity at one point. How do you think that's going to factor into this game? I, mean, I think UNC is good. I mean, they've been they've had no cases since July um, since they kind of got back on campus. They did shut down for like four or five days, like a precautionary uh, method once um, all the students came back on campus and there were a bunch of cases. So they kind of slowed things down and got reset, but there weren't any cases or breakouts within the football program. So beyond that kind of four or five day practice break, it's been all systems go and they've been practicing consistently for the last two or three weeks. Um, you know, they, they didn't have a spring practice, obviously, so they missed that. Beyond that, you know, they're all set and it's been full contact. You know, they haven't changed how they practice. So other than the fact it's the first game and all those things that go along with that, it's going to be an, a normal kind of first game situation with a big-time ACC opponent. I think that's the one big difference is the, the ACC opponent to start the game, start the season. It's going to be pretty sloppy, I think, on all, all fronts across the nation. So that's the one thing I'm looking at. Ross, it seems like UNC's on the rise. You got a historic freshman season out of quarterback Sam Howell. Matt Brown seems to be restoring the program. How how do you think this 22-point spread is? Is it fair? Because Syracuse, obviously, they've had their issues, as we discussed earlier in the show. UNC seems to be turning in the opposite, in, in the right direction, that is. Is 22 points fair? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think UNC can really score. And that's the issue here. I mean, who knows how good Syracuse defense can be with a new defensive coordinator, Tony White. I think four returning starters on defense. So I think there's a lot of question marks for the Syracuse defense combined with a, a really prolific, proven UNC offense. I mean, you mentioned Sam Howe, but he has all his receivers back. Daz Newsom, Donnie Brown, both went 4,000 yards last year. I mean, there's just four or five names after him who are going to see the field, experienced returners. On, uh, on the wide receiver group. And then they have two really good running backs, Michael Carter and uh, Javante Williams. They're just loaded on offense. The question mark is on, on offensive line. But I think the key in college football is having a good quarterback, an experienced quarterback. And they have that at UNC. I think, I think it's going to be a mismatch in terms of the offensive experience versus the defensive inexperience maybe or question marks surrounding this career of Syracuse defense. And I think that's kind of where that number comes from. Because UNC can put up points. They, they pro proved that last year uh they won the last three games by an average of like 40.6 points so they, they were rolling at the end of the season last year talking to ross martin from inside carolina telling you everything you need to know about the unc tar heels today and at this point a 22 point spread ross that's scary and syracuse fans at this point just looking for a cheat code what does syracuse have to do in order to win today i i think I, mean, I haven't studied the Syracuse offense that much, but y'all got an experienced quarterback too. I mean, Tommy DeVito can play at a better completion percentage than Sam Howell last year. He's experienced. I mean, they have players on offense that can get things done. So you, you might have a shootout in your hands. But like in any of these, when it's overmatched like this, when the spread's so big, you just got to force turnovers and win the uh, and win the special teams game. You got to you know create big plays on special teams, whether that be a turnover or a big, you know, punt return or kick return. I mean, those are the things you have to have happen in order to kind of even the playing field. So turnovers on defense, interceptions, fumbles, that kind of stuff, big sacks, and then also uh, just limit what – you limit, limit one facet of what UNC can do, whether that be kind of limit the passing game or limit, limiting the run game and try to make them one-dimensional. But special teams can play a factor too. Um, 
Yeah, that, that's what I would do. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be – I think that Syracuse can definitely cover. That's a huge number of y'all – as y'all have said, there's going to be so many mistakes. I mean, each team could have turnovers left and right. We just don't know what to expect in this game. They're always sloppy, especially without a spring. You know, every team is going to have issues being, like, very fine-tuned. Well, if there's one thing Syracuse can do, it's turn the ball over with Andre Sisco, the most dynamic player on the team. Ross, I mean, obviously you mentioned UNC has plenty of dynamic guys as well, a couple of 1,000-yard returning receivers, an experienced running back duo. What's one player that SU fans probably don't know right now, but they will definitely know after the game? <laughs> I mean, Chad Surratt's probably a name you know. I mean, he's the dynamic linebacker for UNC. Uh, he was a converted quarterback. I mean, he's kind of got some preseason All-American buzz, things like that. I'll give you another name um, on defense. I mean, Tamari Fox, he's a sophomore, played a decent amount last year. He's the guy in the middle for UNC. Well, he plays a little bit on the outside too, but a very versatile defensive lineman. I mean, he's going to be attacking the quarterback. He's going to be a big impact player on the defensive line. He's a guy, one of the guys I'm most excited about for UNC's defense, Tamari Fox, freakish athlete, a smart player, and he's going to be manning you know, he can be playing in the middle, on the outside, or at tackle, too, on UNC's defensive front. And that could be a weakness for UNC. I think if there's one thing that uh, Syracuse could do, it might be able to run the ball, and they'll have time to throw. Because I think the question mark for UNC is their defensive line and their offensive line. Two things you really you need to work to have a, a chance in every game. I think those are two of UNC's weaknesses. So, so look for Tamari Fox as that player. But then from, from Syracuse's side, I think you can take advantage of UNC's weak offensive line and some question marks around the defensive line, whether that be uh, giving the quarterback time to the pass, the lack of pass rush from UNC, and maybe run the ball and kind of wear it down a young and experienced group. Sam Howell, obviously, at least right now, the second-best quarterback in the ACC. Once Trevor Lawrence leaves, he'll likely be the best. What are expectations after a historic freshman season in his sophomore campaign? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Like, how much better can you get? I mean, he set some UNC records last year for a single season, uh, 38 passing touchdowns, I believe, a couple of rushing touchdowns yep. in there as well. I mean, it's just kind of fine-tuning, you know. I think he can make a lot better decisions. He took a lot of sacks last year. Some of that was on him. Some of that was on the offensive line. So, I think you'll see overall less sacks, better decision-making, more utilization of passing in the, in the flats to your running backs. I mean, he's going to have so many options. I expect more production, you know, but they also have a year of tape to look at. But, I mean, with, with what all they're returning, I expect more production, you know, a little more accuracy, a little bit better understanding of the offense as you expect from a, from a second-year quarterback. So, yeah, he has the potential to, to be right up there with Trevor Lawrence and, and obviously one of the top quarterbacks in the nation as, as well. It kind of works out perfectly because he's going he's, – he's passing and handing the ball off to really veteran skill players. So it kind of was a perfect storm with, with how UNC recruited him and, and what they had left from the Larry Fedora era. So, I mean, people are pumped for him. He's a special player, a leader. Um, he's going to be running a little bit more. Last year, they, their backup was a walk-on, a freshman walk-on. This year, they have, um, you know, a four-star freshman backup and, a, like, a redshirt sophomore who's capable as well. So they have more backup options, so he'll be running it more. So look for that. Just a little bit more expansion of his game, but and he can throw the deep ball. and He's super accurate. He's got all the arm strength. And uh, with the weapons he has, like I've said multiple times already, I mean, the sky's the limit with what he can do offensively. Especially in year two when, when everyone is clicking and having a complete better understanding of the offense. So that's why I think the, the hype is so big for UNC. Just another year on defense and on offense to kind of improve and fine-tune kind of the schemes they've been running.
it's clear that the future for Sam Howell is incredibly bright. But let's talk about the present. What do you think of this coming up game? What is your prediction uh, once it's all over? Who wins? Yeah, I'll pick UNC. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Now I kind of think about it and talk it out with you. Not a huge prediction guy, but I make them. Um, Cause I think I think Syracuse offense is good and could be better than what kind of UNC puts out on defense. And I think um, I think UNC's offense is really good as well. I think there's gonna be a lot of turnovers. You have you know fluctuation in in field position and scores and things like that. So I'll go a little bit more high scoring, even though sometimes it takes a while for the offense to kind of get going in these openers. But I'll go something like uh, 42, 25, maybe like that. Uh, that'll be a cover for Syracuse, I believe. But uh, I think it'd be a lot of points. You know, you, you want to see that. So you're kind of optimistic that you'll see a lot of points with, with two experienced quarterbacks. And we all know in college football, that's, that's critical. So I'm excited to see what DeVito and Hal can do. Ross Martin from Inside Carolina previewing this matchup between the Tar Heels and the Orange. Ross, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. It's been a pleasure to be on the Orange Fizz. So we've heard from the Tar Heel expert. Now it's time to hear from you. Orange Nation, it's Fizz Feedback on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Brad Klein and Thomas Schultz with you winding down till the 10 o'clock hour. And Thomas, we've heard from Ross Martin from Inside Carolina telling us everything we need to know about the Tar Heels. But now it's time to hear from Fizz Nation to see what they have to say about Syracuse in 2020 and Syracuse today. Why don't you kick us off? So our first Fizz feedback on the day is... How will the Orange compensate for Jarvian Howard and Abdul Adams opting out? The options are Jawar Jordan will shine, more work for DeVito, they won't recover, or other. And with 67.7% of the vote, two-thirds of voters, Brad, wow. say Jawar Jordan will shine. It's, it, look, I mean, if you've listened to the rest of the show, you know my takes about this. I like Jawar Jordan as a player. I don't like Jawar Jordan as an RB1. I mean, He'll shine in the respect that he'll get more playing time because they have no other options unless you want to start Mackenzie Pierre, which I don't think Dino Babers has any intention of doing. He'll shine because he'll be on the field 80% of the snaps a game. But Jawar Jordan is not a running back one. And hopefully, hey, maybe he proves me wrong today. But Jawar Jordan is a scat back. He's an electric back who can make big plays, but he's not a guy you can rely on for 15 to 20 carries a game with this Poor offensive line that's starting Chris Elmore with a mediocre quarterback in Tommy DeVito. They're going to be stuffing the boxes, and that does not bode well for Jawar. It's it's going to be a rough season for him and for the rest of the Orange. I just can't believe how much of a consensus this was. 67%. That's almost an unprecedented ratio for one poll, like one vote over all the others. Like More work for DeVito only got 9%. How is that even possible? Now, I, I will say this, Brad. They Won't Recover got 21.5% of the vote, so I guess that's the portion of Fizz Nation that I agree with. But let me tell you, man, 75% of Fizz Nation has those rose-tinted glasses on right now. I, I, I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So, number two, how many wins will SU have in 2020, assuming they play Liberty? That's a big one. one. Two. That's a big caveat it, it right is, there. It, that, that, that makes a big difference. Uh, the options are one to two wins, three to four, five to six, or other 
and it's it's honestly a nail biter here yeah. there's one other comment from captain patrick at oil cues captain patrick says nine wins mark it down cap i'm stepping off the boat because i do not agree with your leadership i think three to four wins is what happens if they if they play liberty even then i don't really see them getting two acc wins but you know even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while brad five to six with 42.2 percent of the vote is just i just don't get it man with 10 games 11 games assuming they play liberty i i just don't see it at all well when you said nail biter i was thinking it's a toss-up between one and two and three and four because if i had to customize my choice it would be two to three Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. that's where I am. I'm kind of straddling those. I, I I actually can't wrap my head around five to six. Like how, and especially anyone that says other more than six and they're cruising to bowl eligibility. I know we're not having bowl games, but still in principle. I mean, what's the explanation there? But put your put your optimistic Syracuse fan hat on. What is your thought process for warranting a five to six win prediction? Well, can we just go down their schedule really quickly? Yeah, Their go first ahead. game, obviously, is against uh, UNC today. That's one that they're supposed to lose by 22. Now, maybe you think UNC is overrated. Maybe they are. But they're much better than Syracuse, as is. I don't yeah. think anybody is going to deny that. That's a loss. UNC went 7-6 last year. They should be much better this year. Then they play Pitt. Pittsburgh w- was 8-5 a year ago. They beat the Orange. It's in Pittsburgh. I know there's not going to be fans there, but, you know, still, Pitt's the better team. Then you play Georgia Tech at Syracuse. Maybe you say that's a game that Syracuse wins. They're still establishing a new offense after they're transitioning away from the triple option. Georgia Tech went 3-9 and nine last year, so maybe you say that's a win. And then you play Duke. Syracuse crushed Duke last year with a better team, but maybe you say they beat Duke. You beat Liberty. You're losing to Clemson. You're probably losing to Wake Forest. But, Brad, I mean... Let me ask you, if you're, I guess I could see if you're a Syracuse super fan, you're optimistic, you're ready for the season to start, maybe they beat Wake Forest in your opinion. What do you think? I, I'm not going to dissect the Wake Forest game at this point. All I will say is this. I would be very interested to re-poll Fizz Nation the same question after this UNC game today. Let's say 7 o'clock tonight, we repost this Fizz feedback and pull the optimism in Fizz Nation, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I think we get very different results. Let's say, let's say yeah. UNC covers. Okay, they win by 24 points. Syracuse was never in the game. Are we still getting 42 percent of Fizz Nation saying five to six wins? I don't think so. Well, and I'll be live tweeting that game. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Maybe tune in on our Twitter at Orange Fizz to see if you can show me that I'm wrong, or maybe you agree with me. And then, I mean. Look, then you finish Boston College, Louisville, NC State, Notre Dame. Three of those games I'm chalking up as losses. NC State, maybe. It's just, I know a lot fluctuates week to week amongst fans and their optimism among teams, but I I just can't see this being a good season at all for Syracuse. And then the last one, the one that everyone's been waiting for, Thomas. All right. I mean, you know my opinion on this one, Brad, but this one's really close, actually. Fizz feedback, third poll. Will Syracuse beat number 18 North Carolina down in Chapel Hill later today? 50.8% say yes. 49.2% say no. So extremely, extremely close poll. I, you know where I am, where I'm at, Brad. I'm with the no. Like it's not even close that they're going to get pummeled by UNC in a fantastic offense. Now I will say this: 
maybe your secondary on the 3-3-5 really turns out to play. Andre Sisko has a great game. I mean, if there's a position group I trust on the Syracuse team, it's the secondary with Sisko, Trill Williams, and Ify Melifonwu. And maybe they slow down a high-scoring UNC offense, but they got to slow down the running attack too. And I just, I don't see it happening. I don't see Syracuse putting up enough points against not a great UNC defense, but certainly better than Syracuse's offense. I think it's going to be a blowout UNC win later today. I want whatever Fizz Nation is having. I mean, <laughs> where are you getting? <laughs> where are you getting five to six wins from? Where are you getting beating North Carolina from? I mean, gosh, this is this is unfettered optimism right here. I I really, honestly, sincerely can't see a way that Syracuse wins this game. Because UNC can beat you in so many different ways, especially especially with Sam Howell. And, you know, you heard Dino Babers earlier in the week talking about, like, oh, how do you beat them? Well, you have to take something away, but you can't take everything away. Well, Sam Howell's a really good quarterback, so maybe we'll try to take him away. But then again, the their running backs last year rushed for a combined 1,900 yards, so, ooh, maybe we'll take them away. You're torn, right? Because there's you, there's no one way to beat them. They can beat you in so many different ways. So there's nothing that Tony White can actually say on the defensive end and say, hey, we're not going to let them run the football. Okay, cool. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the country that's going to dissect your 3-3-5 defense and make Dino Babers second-guess this system change, if that's what you want to do. So I just don't, I don't know. It's just it's, it's almost checkmate before the ball's even kicked off. Well, and it seems like Fizz Nation is even more optimistic than Dino Babers, and I don't think you ever want your fan base to be more optimistic, at least uh, on camera, than your head coach. Now, I don't know, Brad. I mean, look, I've given Fizz Nation a lot of praise over the years for their just intellect as a, as, as a nation, you know? They're a sovereign nation, and they know what they're talking about on most instances. This week is not one of them, and maybe they're just happy that football is back. I know we all are, and I... I, I, I hate to be the downer and the pessimist and be, frankly, the realist in the situation, but Fizz Nation, look, we'll talk after the game. We'll talk during the game, but I'm not optimistic, and clearly they are. Don't you find that Fizz Nation is, I feel like, is actually pretty, how do we say this? They're very inconsistent with their optimism and pessimism. Sometimes I feel like they're extremely reliable and they're not biased, and they're not homers, and they actually think about them. And then sometimes they say that Syracuse is going to have five to six wins, and I have no idea what they're thinking. None. You know, Brad, I mean, hey, maybe this time, just this once occasion, I say we give them the benefit of the doubt and say maybe you're just excited to have football back. I know we all are. Like I said at the top of the show, I didn't think we'd be here with college football, but we're here. We made it. Hopefully it'll last the whole season, but regardless of what happens, I'm just happy to be here, and I think Fizz Nation is saying, you know what? We might suck. UNC might be great, but we're just thrilled to be here. That's all we have for you on this edition of Fizz Radio. Hey, make sure you enjoy the game. You certainly deserved it, quarantine and all. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz and check out our website, orangefizz.net. See you next time.